This is the Sloss Sports Show on Anchor.fm, weekly episodes highlighting and breaking down the biggest stories across sports. Make sure to keep up with the latest episodes and breaking news on Twitter by following at Sloss Sports Show and keep up to date with the latest breaking news around the NFL. The official site of the show, knoble87.wixsite.com slash Report. And now, here's your host, Cole Noble. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the Slaw Sports Show. I'm your host, as always, Cole Noble, a.k.a. Slaw, here for another episode of the Slaw Sports Show. And as you can see behind me today, we're talking NFL, there we go, NFL draft prospects, starting off with our expected first-round quarterbacks. And yes, I said our, because today I'll be joined by Matt Laguza, friend of the show, uh, You know, came on multiple times and for multiple editions, and we're going to bring him back because he'll be joining us on the desk uh, for the draft show, either with one-on-one sports or potentially here, back here again, um, still figuring out logistics for the draft show. But for now, we're going to be just diving into prospects leading up to the NFL draft um, by position per week. So this week, we're starting off with the quarterbacks. Next week, we'll move on to wide receivers and all the way up until the draft position by position. So we'll bring in Matt Laguza from London. Matt How's it going, my man? Going well. It's been a while. I'm excited to get back into it. Yeah, I'm excited to get back into it, too. It's finally, finally quarterback time. I'm excited to talk about these prospects, quarterbacks especially. I mean, there's just so much diversity with these quarterbacks in terms of the prospects and in terms of, you know, their projections. I mean, some guys, like in my mock draft I had came, that I did last week, Malik Willis, I had number two overall to the Detroit Lions. I've had some where, you know, Malik Willis falls in the 20s. You know, Kenny Pickett falls in the late 20s, or Kenny Pickett isn't, you know, like what I had goes up into the top 10. Uh, so it's crazy where these quarterbacks are going to fall. And we have some guys on here that, you know, some have put in the first round of their mock drafts. Some don't even have them, you know, have them as late day two projections. The projections are just completely off the board with these quarterbacks, and I haven't seen anything like it. No, it's it's insane. And, you know, everybody's talking about how this draft class isn't anything special. And, you know, you're not going to – as of right now, you're not seeing any Joe Burrows, Justin Herberts, or anything like that. But as you said, it's just the predictions are everywhere. Some people have five people, five quarterbacks going in the first round. Some people have one quarterback going in the first round. It It's just all over the place. It's – and with all the trades that have happened, it's just thrown it even crazier. So, you know, it's going to be an exciting time. I'm excited to get into uh, into these guys, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what everybody thinks. All right, well, let's kick it off with, I think, is our consensus quarterback one of this year's class. And, you know, if you're not with me, uh, but it's going to be Malik Willis out of Liberty. And I, I think, yeah, you're nodding. So I think you're in agreement with, you know, the quarterback one designation that I have. I think he's going to be the first one off the board um, in April. I think we're, oh, we're in April now, um, but I think we're about four weeks away officially, um, just under that um, in terms of getting to the draft. But Malik Willis is a guy I like a lot. Um, a lot of upside with him, a lot of potential, raw in a lot of areas, but definitely a guy that I think a teams, if they're looking at a quarterback, should be the guy that you take the risk on drafting in the first round. Oh, I don't think there's any question about that. And with the teams looking for quarterbacks, I think Malik Willis fits a lot of their schemes. He's probably the most electrifying quarterback in this class with his dual threat ability. He's got a great arm. He's got great speed. Obviously, like most other quarterbacks in this draft, he does have his flaws. We'll get that, into that in a little bit. But if you're looking at pure potential and someone that can just light lightening up your offense get it going Leek willis is that guy um and i think if you're looking as i said if you're looking at some of those teams that are still looking for quarterback lions the carolina panthers teams like that that are early in the draft they are i think they'd much rather go for a guy like willis than they could go for a guy like pickett or a corral yeah i mean there's just so much that I like personally like in Willis's game. You know, studying his tape, I, you know, there's moments that really popped off on the tape, but there's also moments where you're kind of wondering the decision process. You know, there's some issues with consistency, with anticipation that, you know, you would like to see cleared up if you're going to take a risk on this guy. 
Um, but, you know, what we saw from his combine, you know, made some great throws, uh, you know, did great in his pro day as well. I think that there's a lot of buzz around him. And I think if he's put in the right situation, um, you know, maybe ideally sits for a year, I think he could eventually be groomed into something that, you know, could quite turn into a franchise guy in the National Football League. Oh, yeah. There's no question about it. And I think a lot of these guys, all five of these guys, could potentially be franchise guys. But they have to be put in the right situation. And I think that's going to be a theme that we're going to talk about a lot. And as you mentioned, there are some concerns about Malik Willis. One of the, In my opinion, one of them is he runs a lot. He tends to put his eyes down. Um, he doesn't keep his eyes down. He gets ready to go. And he leaves the pocket a little early sometimes, which can be a concern, which is why sitting for a year might be a great idea, which is why the Lions are such an intriguing team to me for him. Whether he goes at two, whether he goes at 32, 31, whatever it is, or if they trade up. But, you know, you've got Jared Goff lock, locked in, so I could see a team like that who has someone at the position right now going and taking a, taking a little look at him. Because um, he's got the potential. He's got the, elect, uh, the electrifying stuff. You just need to figure out can he and his flaws be fixed and uh that's the question for a lot of these guys yeah i mean even a team like pittsburgh you know who just signed marcus Mariota or um, excuse me mitchell trubisky um in free agency um you know allows them the opportunity to you know start mitch for a year you know get malik through the thick of things you know in training camp throughout the season let him progress um and then you know give him the reins um, but what is it specifically off the tape that you like best out of Malik Willis in terms of a prospect potential? I mean, if you're looking at Malik Willis, his attitude towards the game of football is amazing. You see him out of the huddle. You see him with his teammates. He is a true leader out there. And that's what you're looking for, especially on some of these young teams that need a quarterback. Um, it. it Malik Willis, he just brings an energy to a team and to a locker room that some of these other guys won't be able to bring. There are a lot of mellow mellow mindsets or mellow attitudes in this draft class when it comes to the QBs. And, you know, that's a little concerning sometimes because the quarterback is supposed to be the leader. He's supposed to be the one that takes the accountability. He's supposed to be the one that fires the team up. And a lot of these guys don't have that. So seeing the kind of energy that Malik Willis brings is huge, especially for himself. That's going to boost his draft, uh, his draft grade, and uh, draft value. I I just love him as a person, as a quarterback, as a football player. He is just all around great for any team. Yeah, what really pops off uh, for me about his game is really just the off script you know, playmaking he can do, you know, when nothing's going his way, you know, with the design play, he's able to get out of the pocket and extend the play either with his legs or even, you know, get out of the pocket and, you know, make an off-scripted throw um, using, you know, some scramble drills with his receivers. He has a great connection with them and the playmaking. Just, you know, especially in the red zone, he, you know, Liberty used a lot of design, you know, quarterback runs and quarterback read options with them where he was really able to excel and, you know, get into the end zone. I mean, 27 rushing touchdowns at Liberty is quite, quite impressive. I mean, compared to the 47 passing touchdowns he had during his time at Liberty. Um, but overall, just elite upside, raw in some areas. I think a lot of uh, concern might also be, you know, the fact that he was at Liberty and wasn't necessarily just dominating all the opponents he faced. You know, like we saw Trey Lance uh, last year going third overall from North Dakota State. And it was rightful. I mean, he dominated every team he faced in the FCS and, you know, in the division that – or in the conference, excuse me, that Liberty's in. That's, you know, the kind of outcome you expected from Malik Willis if you expect him to be the quarterback one of this class. And just that consistent level of elite play wasn't there from him. And, you know, I talked about earlier the anticipation, just another nitpick I have. Like, the guy can power a ball. But yeah. there's times where he didn't trust the read well enough or – powered it just a little bit late where you know the pass got broken up where he just he needs to anticipate the receiver coming out of his break um in the route but that's something he'll learn in training camp um getting messed up with you know great nfl coaches um and you know getting that repertoire made with his receivers can go a long way for him yeah there's no question about it um 
there, there's just so much to like about the kid. As you, like that, that's the th- what you were talking about is his dual threat ability, his ability to get out of the pocket to make something out of nothing. That's what separates him from the other quarterbacks in this class. And you know, we've see, we're seeing a trend over the past couple of years of quarterbacks becoming a lot more mobile. And Malik Willis, he takes that to a whole nother level while also being able to keep the typical quarterback uh, skill set that you would um, consider. He's probably got one of the strongest arms in this class. And oh, one yeah. of the strongest arms you've seen in maybe the last three drafts. He is everything that you could want. You just need to make sure at the NFL level you can put it all together. And, you know, that that's what it's for. You, you never know in the draft what's going to happen. And, you know, sometimes you just got to take a chance on him and see if it works out. Yeah, for sure the, you know, the deep ball and arm strength that he has is insane. I mean, this combine – you know, throwing reps were ridiculous, or he was just launching bombs in front of all those scouts. Um, but now we're going to move on uh, from Malik Willis. I mean, I can talk about him for a full hour, um, but we're going to have to move on and go to the next guy in Kenny Pickett um, out of Pittsburgh. This guy, five years at Pittsburgh, you know, 12,000 passing yards, 81 touchdowns. Like, the stats are there. The experience is there. The hand size is questionable, but <laughs> we won't get into that. We'll, we'll, other people will knock on that weakness with him. Um, but just a guy that seems like he's the most pro-ready in terms of overall experience going into this year's draft. No, I don't think there's any question about that. And Kenny Pickett, over the past five years, has proved that size doesn't matter. And, you know, he's going to continue to try to prove that as he goes into the NFL. Um, we've seen at his pro day at the combine. Yes, it's you know, hence we saw in the rain at the Senior Bowl that he was missing a few throws during practice day. I think it was on the Wednesday, and people started you know saying, "Oh, is the hand size going to be an issue? It could it be?" But he came out on the pro day with his NFL size football and his small little hands, and he put on a show. He was great and. You know, people just need to kind of put that on the side and understand that this guy has a ton of talent. He's got the off-field um, leadership skills that you want in a quarterback. And, man, the past five years in Pittsburgh, come on. The way he's improved from his freshman year until last year, you you, you got to look at that before you can take everything away from him because of his hand size. Yeah, something that I – actually saw on Twitter um, earlier today that's actually pretty interesting to me, just as a Packers fan. Kenny Pickett is five months older than Jordan Love, who was drafted two years ago. I mean, what more do you need to know about like his just age and experience? I mean, Joe Burrow yeah. also was an older prospect coming out of the draft and, you know, obviously just led the Cincinnati Bengals to the Super Bowl. So you can't really fault him with his age. And, and honestly, it just means he's going to be more experienced uh, going in, he's a very toolsy pocket passer. You know, looking at his tape, he doesn't do much. You know, getting outside the pocket, you know, extending plays quite like Malik Willis does. But what he has against Malik Willis is the accuracy and anticipation I was talking about. He's able to yep. throw guys open. He has quick eyes, makes very quick reads in the pocket, and that's why I love him going to Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh's offense was perfect for that because that's what you saw from Big Ben. Big Ben had quick eyes and anticipated his receivers getting open, and you never relied on him you know, doing too much out of the pocket. Just let him stay in there, be methodical, and find his target downfield. See, that's where I had Kenny going first. I thought going to Pittsburgh would be the perfect situation for him. As you mentioned, he is the most pro-ready quarterback in this draft, if you look at it. And they just signed Mitch Trubisky to a two-year deal. And, you know, obviously... Things can change. You know, there's still four weeks until the draft. And, you know, they could think that he could be the guy, and they go and get him with the 20th pick. But I think there has been a lot of concern over him over the past couple weeks, and I think that's really tanked his stock a lot. Um, It's going to be interesting to see, because originally I had him possibly going to the Carolina Panthers, but not anymore. I think if the Panthers are going quarterback, it's going to be Malik Willis or it's not going to be a quarterback. I just don't think there's any other choice for them. 
Um, but no, Kenny Pickett is a typical pocket passer with, you know, a little more mobility than you would typically see. Um, he's got a good arm. He's got the accuracy. He can throw on all levels of the field. Um, and he's just got the experience. And as an NFL coach with a team that just needs a quarterback, that is what you want in your locker room. It's going to be interesting to see who takes the who takes the risk with the hand size and tries to uh, put him in there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting you brought up the Carolina Panthers because I do think that's another uh, potential uh, landing spot. Um, I think they're... From what I know, I think there was a connection with Matt Rule. I don't know if he recruited him to Temple. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's. I think that might be the connection there. But you know, I saw a picture surfacing on Twitter of the two together. Matt Matt Rule looked really slim uh, compared <laughs> to the uh, picture that came out at the owners' uh, meetings this past week with Matt Rule with the uh, the coaching picture. Um, but if there's a connection there, I could see Matt Rule. You know, if they can't find anybody. You know, until April, which is looking like most teams are pretty much wrapped up um, with what they want to yep. do until after the draft in terms of free agents. Um, so I, I was saying in my mock draft I wanted the Panthers to try to make a trade for Jimmy Garoppolo before the draft. Mm-hmm. But I think right now they're going to test their luck with the draft, um, see if one of these guys can fall to them at six. And Kenny Pickett might be an option there for the Carolina yep. Panthers. Um, just, you know, what they need in the offense, it, a toolsy guy, a pro-ready you know, guy that has all the tools to, you know, make big plays, make, you know, big passes. Um, and honestly, a little bit more experience, I'd say, than Sam Darnold. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I've lived <laughs> through Sam Darnold. Uh, we don't need that anymore in the NFL. Um, but, you know, it's crazy that you talk about this, you know, with Jimmy G. It's um, a lot can still happen in this quarterback market. You've got Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo still out there on the trade market. But Baker needs to be moved because Deshaun Watson is the starting quarterback there. He's he's out. Baker's out. And then Jimmy G, yeah, Shanahan said that he could stay. But right now it's looking like Trey Lance is going to start, and I don't think you want Jimmy's contract in San Francisco going into next season. So we're already talking about, you know, Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, Mack all these guys that could possibly go to the Lions, to the Panthers, to whoever. Those might not be options for quarterbacks by the time the draft rolls around in a couple weeks. So, you know, it's it's just interesting to see what teams' philosophies are going to be regarding quarterbacks by draft time, and uh, to see if any of these predictions change. Um, yeah, there's still a lot to happen in this off season. Yeah, I think Baker's definitely going to be the wild card. I mean, the Browns signed yeah. Kobe Brissett in free agency. It seemed like he was going to be the backup um, to Deshaun Watson. Um, but you know, now there's reports coming out that if Cleveland wants to move on from Baker Mayfield, they're going to have to eat some of his contract to do so. And honestly, at that point, why not just keep him? I mean, we still, you know, the verdict's still out on a potential Deshaun Watson suspension. So why not just run it back with Baker for a couple games? Um, but I mean, that all depends on Baker. Um, you know, what does he think of wanting to, you know, just be the scapegoat, you know, bridged quarterback for Deshaun Watson's suspension to, you know, follow through. Uh, but Kenny Pickett, uh, definitely an interesting prospect. Experience is a strong suit. I mean, a five-year guy at Pitt, very aged, very mature coming into the league. Seems like, I would say, probably the most pro-ready guy in that regards. Um you know, at Pitt, they made you know a little bit of a noise. Got into some big games this year, which is the big thing for me. I want to see him play in you know some big game moments, and you know winning the ACC championship this year at Pitt was a big jump for Kenny Pickett this past season. Um, but let's move on um, to the next guy on the list, and I have Matt Corral as my quarterback three um, in this year's class. Seems like he had the same. Um, but Matt Corral, four years at Ole Miss, um, guy's explosive, very explosive runner. Um, the big thing for me, he is fantastic. Watching his tape was absolutely fantastic at RPOs. And it's something that I love a lot about his game. Um, you know, being able to utilize his strong arm, his, you know, his eyes are great, makes right decisions pre-snap, and then, you know, immediately after on the, on, you know, the run pass options, um, that type of quarterback, he needs the right scheme. Yeah. Like the way he plays, he would be perfect in a Matt LaFleur type offense. 
the way they run the yeah. RPOs with the run game, and then but also can utilize the big plays downfield in the passing game. But obviously, you know, I don't don't want I don't want Matt Corral in Green Bay. But I'm just saying that'd be the perfect scheme uh, for him in the National <laughs> Football League. But athletic, yeah. strong arm, explosive guy, a lot to like about him. I love Matt Corral. He 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 might be my favorite quarterback in this draft class. He, he he's been he he at one point in this season was my number one quarterback on the draft board. Um, and you know a lot has happened. Obviously, at his ankle injury that took him out um, of the bowl game. And, you know, he didn't do anything at the combine. And, you know, he's a little undersized. There's there's some concerns about that as well. But there is no questioning the talent that this kid has. He's got one of the best arms. He's got he's one of the quickest processors in this draft. When you're looking uh, to go through his progressions and everything, he is a smart kid. He knows what to do. He understands the playbook. And, yeah, he might need the specific a perfect scheme for him i think if you give him time and you let him sit behind a quarterback for one or two years i think he might be able to adjust and really figure out some of these other um types of schemes in the nfl because you he he was kind of put into it this is what he did at ole miss we've never seen him outside of that scheme and i think if you give him the chance with his football IQ, I think he might be able to do it if he's put into the right situation. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you brought up the only weakness I have about the guy is that he's undersized. And what comes with that, and you know, what comes with his explosive nature as a runner, he takes big hits a lot. And, you know, you saw that injury late in the season where it looked scary. Everyone, you know, immediately was freaking out uh, when he had that injury late in the season of how that's going to affect um, his draft yeah. projection. You know, people are thinking he's going to just completely fall out of it. Um, but the medicals came back. You, see, you know he's fine. Um, should be ready to go by training camp, hopefully. Um, but just that style, taking so many big hits is not what you want to expect. I mean, I don't want Matt Corral to come in in his rookie year and be, you know, given the reins and turn into Baker Mayfield from 2021. You know, where you just have like 17 injuries, and you can't do anything passing the ball, and they just, you know, are, you just keep throwing you back out into the wolves. You know, every single game yeah. is the last thing I'd want for him. But very mature guy, um, you know. You know, I talked about the scheme, just a spread-based offense. Use, you know, utilizing a lot of RPOs, just really fits the mold for what he can do as a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, and okay. but I mean, when I'm looking at it, there's, as I said, there's a lot of different predictions out there. We've talked about this. If he drops out of the first round, because I don't think either of these teams are going quarterback now after what's happened in the offseason, I love him to the Commanders and to the Saints. I think those are two teams where he will fit in so well, and right now they have their bridge quarterbacks. They've got Carson Wentz. They've got Jameis Winston. I think, obviously, I would have loved for Matt Corral to learn under Sean Payton. I think him as a head coach for Matt Corral would have been perfect. But these are two teams where they're kind of, you know, they're getting on the edge of playoff contention. But their quarterbacks are not playoff quarterbacks. You give it two years, build through the draft, build through free agency, have Matt Krause sitting on the bench for one or two years, learning the offense, learning the NFL, just learning what it is to be an NFL starting quarterback. Those are two teams that I would love for them to take a chance on him if they get out, if he gets out of this first round. Because quarterback is not their main priority right now. Commanders aren't going to draft him early. The Saints, I mean, right now, I really don't think quarterback is their main priority since they just locked up Jameis Winston for another year. So, I don't know. It's interesting, but those are two teams that I love Corral going to. Yeah, I mean, my first block draft, I had the Commanders taking uh, Matt Corral, you know, outside, you know, right there at 11, right outside the top 10. I thought it was a perfect fit. I mean, what they want to do offensively, um, you know, I think – the RPO game would work super well uh, with our boy Gibby, Antonio Gibson out of the backfield, being able to hit Terry McLaurin downfield on the, you know a spread RPO offense would just be oh, it would have worked perfect in Washington. But after getting Carson Wentz, I, you know they're not going to go that route. I think in the first round at this point anymore. And uh, maybe if you slide to him in the second, the Saints are another option. I mean, I talked about it in my you know in the the debrief and then you know on the show. Uh, last week, talking about the Saints with their first-round pick, 
they're always a wild card. Yeah. I mean, we were bamboozled last year on our draft show yes, <laughs> when they took but... Peyton Turner in the first round just out of left field. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, even after you know giving Jameis Winston you know a decent amount of guarantees on that two-year contract, to see them draft Matt Corral, I mean, I don't I don't think that they're completely sold on Jameis Winston. You know, <laughs> I mean, I I'm sold on. Him. I mean, he was five and two as a starter last year. I, yeah. I think with Jameis Winston without tearing his ACL leads the Saints into the playoffs last year. I don't think they should give up on him. But new regime coming in. You know, Sean Payton no longer there, new head coach. Maybe they want to go a different direction from what they saw last year, and Matt Corral could be the one that they take in the first round. So I think he he's one I wouldn't be surprised if he stuck in the first, you know, you know, snuck into the first round and ends up making it three quarterbacks, you know, landing, you know, in the top thirty-two. I mean, hey, who knows? Maybe Jameis Winston won't even be able to see by the beginning of the season, <laughs> and they're going to need a quarterback. You never know. But, um, no, I completely agree. Um, the Saints, they always do something crazy. Nothing like the Raiders with their picks, but, you know, they're, they're unpredictable. You don't know what they could do. They've got a lot of holes. They've got a lot of cap issues. Um, so it, it just depends. Are they thinking in the now or are they thinking in the future? What do you want to see? And uh, I'm excited to see what this new regime is thinking. Yeah. My most exciting part about Matt Corral, and I, it's funny we bring up the Jameis Winston thing, Yeah, he, he threw 10 less interceptions last year than he did in 2020. I mean, he was able to turn yeah. it around. That was like one of the big concerns going into the year was the interceptions he had in 2020. But through 10 fewer interceptions in 2021, you know, I bring up Jameis Winston just because he's you know, the king of interceptions and still <laughs> playing pretty solid. But the fact that he was able to you know, mature and grow – throughout the years at Ole Miss. Um, his accuracy, you know, was something that suffered a little bit, in my opinion, you know, when he was forced. Bit, yeah. yeah, like when he was forced outside the pocket and then had to reset his base and then throw again. But, I mean, that's that should be common, in my opinion. I mean, yeah. unless you are just, you know, a Trevor Lawrence coming out of the draft or you're a polished, perfect prospect coming into the league, you're going to have that issue. Um, but yeah. ultimately, it's just being undersized, Taking too many big hits, the, I don't want to say an injury risk. I mean, because it's not like you know Tua's big injury coming into the league, and you know what we've seen from Tua. But I do think just the style of how he plays could potentially lead to that once we get to game time on the field for Matt Corral. And you also have to consider that the Saints just lost Taron Armstead, one of the best tackles in the NFL. So, do you really want to put a guy that you know could be considered a light risk or an injury risk? behind an offensive line that you're not too sure about anymore. It used to be a very good offensive line. Is it going to be that for the rest? You never know. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm excited for him. I think he has the potential to be the best quarterback in this draft. Um, Just with, he, he's just got everything that you could want in it in a quarterback. But you know, with everything that's happened over the past couple weeks, Right now, he is my quarterback, Gary. Yeah. All right, so let's move it along uh, to the next one. And I have – I mean, this one, we might be a little separated here. Uh, but I like both these guys a lot. But I, I think they're on that, you know, three-tier, you know, A and B. And it's Desmond Ritter and Sam Howell. But we'll start with Desmond Ritter just because I like how it's – I mean, the same thing with – uh, Kenny Pickett, I think Desmond Ritter coming into the draft is a very experienced quarterback. And for him, he's played in the big games. I mean, you know, played in the college football playoffs this past season. Um, he had a lot of poise playing in those big games against some, you know, top, you know, caliber players that, sim- you know, the similar opponents he'll be facing in the National Football League. But at the same time, I think he has below average tool sets in terms of being a passer. You know, he, he was great in big moments. You know, he, you know, he answered the bell, was a you know, great teammate, a great leader on the field, but there's still some things that needs to be cleaned up. And, you know, I, I love this comp uh, from Lance Zerling from NFL. He called, you know, he comped him as Alex Smith. Great leader, okay. experienced in big games, but not necessarily a quarterback that has all the tools to do it all on his own, if that makes sense. Yeah, no. And I completely agree. Uh, Sam Howell and Esmond Ritter, I've been going back and forth on a lot 
And, you know, I'll start with Desmond Ritter because we're doing that. But, no, I completely agree. I think, you know, he has the ability to be a great quarterback in the NFL. He's got the size. He has got the leadership. And he does have the skill set, but it's just not polished. And that's the thing. We've seen some accuracy issues. We've seen, you know, sometimes he can be a little bit of a slow operator. He gets a lot of balls batted down at the line of scrimmage. I think he had, like, 26 balls batted down last season, something like that. It, it was a lot. And, you know, it, it's just something that he's going to need to work on. And a lot of people see him as having a ton of potential, which he does. But there is a lot more to work on with Desmond Ritter than there is to work on with some of the other quarterbacks that we're considering as the top five potential first-round draft picks. So when you're a team and you're looking at possibly drafting Desmond Ritter, you're looking at a project. And you're not looking at a guy, you know, that, you know, sit behind him one year and he can definitely be your starter year two coming out. You've got to take your time. You've got to make sure he's ready. And you really need to put some time and effort into building around this kid. So there's a lot to think about. But you also have to consider he has a very high ceiling. He can be a very good quarterback in the National Football League. Yeah, I think the best situation... Uh, for Desmond Ritter going into the NFL is landing with the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. I, I think going to the Falcons in the second round uh, will be a good situation for him. You know, let Arthur Smith build around him in his first year while running you know, the show with Marcus Mariota. I think the Falcons probably have a bottom two roster right now in the National Football League. I think maybe yeah. I, think the, I think they might have the worst roster. It's it, Between them or the Bears. Their rosters right now of what they have is, is bad on, on both sides. And Atlanta, I don't see them being more than a three- to four-win team next year with Marcus Mariota. I mean, unless they get some receiver in, you know, whether it be in the first round or a free agency. But even then, I, I don't see their ceiling being too high. So I think it would be smart uh, to go the avenue in the second round with Desmond Ritter, you know, build him behind the scenes like a, you know, how quarterbacks used to be and how Trey Lance was this past season, you know, the way I think that you should do it um, with quarterbacks, even though I you know, was on the start Trey Lance train all year. Um, but I think Desmond Ritter's the one just with the skill wise, his, you know, the skills he has as a passer is nothing off the charts. So you, you have to groom him in a way similar to Malik Willis, but he's experienced and intelligent enough to win in big games. You know, at, you know, Atlanta's going to be playing some big games in the, um, in the future, if they want to start competing in the NFC South or in the NFC in general, um, but I think a second round, you know, slide with Desmond Ritter might get them there. Um, yeah. But something I do have to say, um, watching Desmond Ritter's tape um, and something that you know, funny enough, uh, remind me of 2021 Carson Wentz this past season. At times, I thought he was too competitive and like did too much, especially early in the games. I mean, we saw that from Carson Wentz all year last year with the Colts where, like, it's early, dude. Like, there's no reason to be forcing balls downfield in the first quarter. Like, what do you just, you know, take your L, come back in the next drive. I thought Desmond Ritter did, you know, a lot of that in Cincinnati. Um, I love, you know, I love the competitive spirit, but, like, at some point you got to, like, calm down a little bit. Um, And the other thing, you had a slow release um, with the ball. Uh, so some of the downfield throws, it allowed uh, safeties to close in and get pass breakups on them. Um, but that's just some of the, you know, the little things that can get cleaned up um, if he has time to you know, sit and you know, fully get groomed and polished out uh, by a good coach. Yeah, and I'll get into that stuff in a minute. But going back to the whole thing with the Atlanta Falcons, I completely agree with you. I think they would be a perfect situation for them. But you need to make sure that there's another quarterback on that roster because Marcus Mariota has had a history of getting injured (laughs) or playing really, really badly in the NFL. And Marcus Mariota has had help in the past. Now he has no help except for Kyle Pitts. So if you want Desmond Ritter to sit in the background, not do anything for at least a season, you need another guy in that locker room that will be able to be that QB two. Because you don't want Marcus Mariota getting a concussion in week two and having Desmond Ritter have to go out there into the fire and trying to put it out. So it that's the only thing. 
that I would be concerned about with him going to Atlanta, especially since Atlanta has absolutely nothing on that roster. No defense, no offensive line, no weapons except Kyle Pitts. You, you just need to be confident that you've got another guy out there that you can throw on the field if Marcus Mariota were to get injured early on in the season. Going on to what you said about uh, Ritter being too competitive, completely agree. There were a lot of times where I was watching and he was putting his body on the line and it was about three minutes into the first quarter. <laughs> yeah. Running, diving for the first down. I'm like, bro, you're at the 20-yard line. You're going to punt. <laughs> it, it's fine. It happens. You yeah. don't need to worry about it. You're most likely still going to win this. That, that one yard is not going to change the game right now. And that it... There are multiple reasons why you can't do that. One, with the passing, what you mentioned, turnovers. It's going to happen if you keep doing that. Two, what I mentioned, getting hurt. Don't want to do that, especially early on in your career. You you want to be on the field as much as possible once you become the starting quarterback. This is the time for you to learn. Once it gets too late, it, it becomes too late because you're going to get a lot of pressure from the media. You're going to get a lot of pressure from your teammates expecting you to be the guy. So you need to be on the field as much as possible. And, you know, obviously the little things, as we mentioned, the slow processing, the release timing, stuff like that, the accuracy, the consistency. And, you know, those are things that can be fixed. I wouldn't say easily, but I'll say pretty easily by – NFL coaching staff if you work with the person and give them time yeah and just to end on a high note uh with Desmond Ritter because we've been you know knocking him for a good bit there <laughs> yeah <laughs> but one thing <laughs> yeah one thing he is I would say a lead at and you know pro you know acts like an NFL you know type quarterback from what I saw he is advanced at pre-snap reads you know being yeah. able to point out coverages you know being able to point out rushes for his offensive line and you know whether it's audibles, um, but the, the the entire pre-snap aspect of the game is so important in today's NFL, and he masters it. And you know he really showed that in Cincinnati, and something I really liked about him. Um, and also similar to uh, what I talked about with Malik Willis, he can drive a pass. I mean, once he gets set, once he gets in his base, he has a lot of power uh, coming off his leg to drive a ball. Um, I just you know. He's got that weird, you know, slow release thing going for him once he throws it. Um, that gets him in trouble. But overall, highly intelligent, experienced in big games, just clean up the little things. Um, and I, I don't, personally, I don't see him sliding into the first round, uh, but I think like a team like the Falcons in the second round could be a good fit for him. Yeah, and you also, you also have to consider he, out of all the quarterbacks, he might be one of the most technically sound. Yeah, of all of for them. sure. If you look at it, his mechanics are robotic. They are almost perfect. Now, obviously, he does have his issues, and he might need to fix some little things, but the basic quarterback mechanics are there. And some of these other guys don't have those perfected, but he does. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yes, we have taken him down a lot right now, but it's nothing to do with what he can become. It's just what he is now is not a first-round-level quarterback. He has the potential to become it. He's got what he needs. He's got the base for it. Now he just needs to build up from that and really show what he can do. Mm -hmm. For sure. All right, let's now switch to our fifth and final quarterback uh, we see maybe sneaking in uh, to the first round. And it's UNC's Sam Howell. Uh, played three years at UNC. Um, you know, got recruited heavily by Mac Brown. I think. It was Florida State, maybe, he was going to try to go to, but Mac Brown forced him into UNC, speaks highly of him um, after his three years. Last year looked great, um, you, know, you know, 2020, um, I mean by last year, um, not, not this past season, the one, the one before. Yep. Um, you know, he had all of his weapons still there uh, before they left in the draft. Um, had a little bit of a tough 2021-2022 season this past year, um, but overall, a very confident team player type of guy. Strengths, his arm strength. I mean, that guy has a strong arm. I think he throws probably the best deep ball in the class. Malik Willis has a cannon. But I think placement-wise, I think he throws the best deep ball. Um, you know, yeah. The most catchable deep ball, just 
perfect, comes right out of his hand, nice arc, always right on point. Um, and he's also tough. Um, a, you know, tough guy, gritty kind of guy. Reminds me slightly a little bit of Baker Mayfield, not just the fact he kind of looks like him, but just the fact that he has an, a good arm strength and a tough guy. Um, but overall, just, I don't know. I mean, I, this is going to be a guy where maybe, I, you know, I think if Detroit goes a different direction at two, maybe at 32, they go with Sam Howell. Um, and I think that might be the only way he sneaks into the first round unless a team, you know, maybe like the Colts tries to trade back up into the first round. Um, but I don't quite see it. Um, the only thing I do say at 32 with the Colts, or excuse me, with the uh, Lions at that pick is that he did play with the Lions staff at the Senior Bowl along with Malik Willis. Uh, so they got two, you know, you know, you know, a good look at both those two quarterbacks during the Senior Bowl week and during the game where maybe they could, you know, swing one way or the other. Uh, with those two quarterbacks. And if Malik Willis is off the board, maybe Detroit turns their attention to Sam Howell at 32. See, I love Sam Howell. This isn't, I don't think this is the right word, but he's one of the most overheated quarterbacks in this class. <laughs> and I feel like he's been getting, over the past season, He his value has just gone down tremendously. Even though he didn't have a bad season at UNC this year. You know, he threw 24 touchdowns and had nine interceptions, threw 64%. He had 17 rushing touchdowns on top of that. He is a baller. That is the best way to describe Sam Howell. He is an absolute baller. Yes, he reminds me of Baker Mayfield with some of his decision-making skills as well, which, you know, obviously has brought down his value, what we've seen over the past year and a half. But you, you can't deny that he has the skills. He's got He's got the leadership. And he brings the energy like no one else. He's there. He's the guy. And as you mentioned, I like the move to Detroit a lot. I think if both Malik Willis and uh, Sam Howell on the board, either of them could go at 32. It'll be interesting to see which one of them does go if they decide to go quarterback. Another team that I'm interested in, though, Carolina Panthers. If he gets into the second round, the Carolina boy staying in Carolina, going to Matt Rule and taking the reins away from Sam Darnold, which should happen. Um, I, I think it would be really interesting to see uh, in either of those situations. I really don't see Sam Howell as a first-round quarterback uh, right now. He's got a lot of skill. It's just it, it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen right now, and I think 32 is his really only chance for him to go in the first round. Yeah, and you know, I really liked you know the fit you talked about with the Carolina Panthers, but the problem is after six, they don't pick again until the fourth round. Yeah. So, I mean, and, you know, they don't have that many picks at all to even try to package up to get into the second or third form of the San Howell star, uh, starts to fall. But I agree, I love the pick, um, you know, or the fit uh, with you know the Carolina boys staying in Carolina kind of you know feel. Um, but I, I don't see Carolina uh, being the option just with the capital that they have. Um, but the one thing um, I do want to say, and you know, I got to knock on them. I got to get my knocks in on these quarterbacks. But with <laughs> Sam, course. with Sam Howell, um, I feel like he has some issues trusting the play, and yeah. not, not the scheme, but more of you know the plays and the routes where he kind of holds onto the ball longer than he should. He took a lot of unnecessary sacks where you know he just didn't trust his guys to be at the spots they needed to be at the right time and also couldn't trust his eyes. You know, there were times on the film where he was looking at the guy, but didn't trust it. And instead, you know, look, yeah, instead look to somebody else and, you know, throw an incomplete pass or, you know, throw it away completely. And some of those things I just couldn't quite understand from, you know, watching his film, like why these decisions were happening for him. Um, and the other thing, there is a little bit of some placement accuracy issues, um, I do have oh, yeah. to admit. Um, but the arm strength downfield, just the best, best deep ball, I think, in the class this year. I mean, he definitely needs to work on his touch and timing. That's something that I saw a lot in the tape. Yeah. Especially on intermediate passes. He does tend to sail his receivers a little bit. He sometimes throws a little behind. And that is very consistent for him that he does that. And I think that's something that he will have to improve upon. And it's another one of those little things where it should be able to be fixed. But... You've got to admit, you know, his confidence dropped a lot this season. I think losing so many talented players and, you know, the media absolutely 
killing him all season long. Like, yes, he played. He didn't play like he has the two seasons before, but you know that took a toll on him, and I think that took his, you know, it, it just took his mentality down, and that can be seen as both something where he can grow, and also it could be taken as a negative where you know all this negative pressure on him caused him to perform poorly. And, you know, that's going to be something that GMs and coaches are going to have to look at and see what is it that made him fall off. And the interviews are going to be extremely important for that because you need to see what kind of guy he is. And that's how you're going to decide, is he a guy that we can take a chance on and him really skyrocket into what he could become? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, just, I don't understand. Like, the 2022 year, I get, I just, I do think I agree with you, it was overhated. I mean, still put up good stats. Um, you know, there were some games where, you know, potentially it could have gone the other way and, you know, probably should have for UNC this past season. And, you know, the win total, you know, was not what they were expecting this year. Um, but at the same time, he lost a lot. I mean, yeah. I don't want to say, like, the excuse was there, but... He didn't have everything going for him in 2022, you know, 2021, 2022, uh, like he did the season beforehand. Um, and I, I love the point uh, you brought up about the interviews, really figuring out what happened this past season. Um, I'm sure a lot of scouts have been talking with, you know, people at UNC and Mac Brown especially, trying to figure that out. Um, but it's exciting. Yeah. Exciting. I love talking about <laughs> these quarterbacks and draft stuff because there's no definite number one. And there's yep. no definite, you know, projection pick range where you're gonna, we're going to see these guys falling like we saw in years past. So, definitely interesting. Um, exciting to talk about it. Just what else do you have, um, you know, for these projections? Real quick, I do want to bring up uh, one of my guys. I got to bring up my Air Raid boys, Bailey Zappi, Western Kentucky, also going into uh, this year's draft. Isn't the most impressive um, athlete out there, but had a lot of nice touch on the ball, you know, made some intelligent plays when he needed to in oh, my air raid offense. Uh, and also, uh, real quick, also shout out to our Elon guy as well, Davis Cheek, had his pro day today, um, wishing him the best throughout this process as well. But any last minute uh, things you want to talk about with some of these projections, some of these quarterbacks, what we might see um, in four weeks, you know, kind of going to wrap up the quarterback talk, um, you know, moving in uh, toward draft time. I mean, just the only thing I can say, expect the unexpected. Don't expect, you know, we just said Malik Willis is both of our number one quarterbacks. When draft time comes along, he might not be there. And you've got to understand that this process, especially with this QB class, it, anything can happen. Two quarterbacks on the market still in the tr in trades. Those guys can change this market up a bit. And one thing, watch out for my boy, Brock Purdy. Everybody's <laughs> hating on him. He's not a first-round quarterback. He's not a second-round quarterback. But watch out. He's got some skill in that third or fourth round. I believe in him. Yeah, another one we brought up that I think could turn into – a you know decent backup in the NFL is Carson Strong as well out of Nevada. Yes, I do know um, from what I've you know read on Twitter and you know some of the leaks have been uh, favoring Caleb Ebley to the Denver Broncos potentially, um, just a guy that they like and you know might want to kind of work with. Um, but you know, I don't foresee him turning into anything more than just being a good presence in the locker room, yeah. backup kind of role. Uh, but, yeah, interesting, interesting stuff um, with these quarterbacks. No real certainty on anything. I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. Um, and I, I, I'm so interested to see how many of these you know, top five quarterbacks actually fall into the first round um, in April's yep. draft. And you know, maybe we only see two guys. Maybe you know, Willis and Pickett turn out to be the only you know, first-round guys on the board, and someone's going to get some good value on a Matt Corral and a Desmond Ritter into the second round. Or maybe in great value on a Sam Howell into the third round um, will definitely exactly. be interesting to see for sure. So next up, uh, what we got on the schedule next week? 
Uh, Matt will be joining us back again same time next Friday. Um, you know, time zones are weird. Um, but if you're on Pacific time, uh, where I am at, it will be uh, 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, uh, just like it was today, East Coast, um, 4 to 5 uh, p.m. Uh, Eastern Time, and then Guza's Time um, in London. I mean, what is it over there right now? It's almost 10 o'clock right now. Yeah, almost so 10 o'clock. So uh, if you're overseas, um, like uh, Guza over here, it's going to be a little late night session talking about these prospects. But next week, uh, we'll be doing wide receivers. Uh, so a lot to talk about. There's some exciting prospects um, and even ones that I'm really juiced up about uh, being a Packers fan, potentially seeing them um, in the green and gold come April. Oh, exciting time, Guza. Draft time almost upon us. Favorite time of the year. Um, keep, a, keep a lookout. Be careful out there today. April Fools. Don't get caught up on any uh, April Fools nonsense out there. Uh, but happy start of April. It's officially draft month. Um, so a lot to be excited about going forward. Guza, thanks for joining. I'll see you next week talking wide receivers. See you next week. All right, so there you have it. Uh, quarterback, first round quarterbacks uh, discussion roundtable uh, with Matt Laguza. Thanks, Matt, for joining. Um, but yeah, next week, wide receivers will keep things rolling along, uh, pushing out content as we get closer to the NFL draft, uh, really breaking down these prospects, um, getting closer to draft time. But thanks so much for watching. Um, if you missed any part of it, um, you can go back and watch it on the YouTube channel. If you don't have time to watch it on YouTube, you're more of a commuter um, to work. It will be up on the podcast tomorrow evening at the Saw Sports Show, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get a podcast, you can find it at the Saw Sports Show. But thank you all for watching.